The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. You're with Brian McLean and Steve Hook and State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right. Thank you for being here for State of the Nation. I'm Brian McLean. I'm here with Steve Hook, and this is today's News Talk. Find us on the web at tntradio.live. We have an interactive live chat room over there. Shout out to you in the interactive live chat room. If you're not in there, you can find it on our amazing mobile app or on the website. So you can find TNT anywhere anytime via those methods steve as we pump into the second hour here i want to hit you with this headline thousands thousands signed petition against macy's non-binary trans extravaganza planned for thanksgiving day's parade in new york city over two over twenty thousand outraged petitioners have signed an online campaign taking aim at Macy's iconic Thanksgiving Day Parade amid allegations that this year's celebration will put on a non-binary and transgender extravaganza on display. What do you think, Steve? This is kind of a uh, big uh, change from what I'm used to. I mean, did you grow up on the Macy's Day Parades? I mean, I remember sitting around with my grandmother watching the Macy's Day Parade year after year and really having an enjoyable family event uh while doing so you know i can just i can smell turkey cooking in the background and uh, i cannot imagine what my grandmother would say if uh if this had come on the tv this is the 90th annual macy's thanksgiving day parade coming up on the 24th yeah well hash you know you and your grandmother are part of the white patriarchy which has destroyed this country um <laughs> Listen, man, it's absolutely absurd. The uh, the Macy's uh, Thanksgiving Day Parade has, of course, been a family uh, tradition and an American tradition for these 90-odd years. I can tell you that my sister-in-law uh, is from the town in Georgia where all of those original balloons, I think there's only one of them left, maybe two, that still that they still fly. But once upon a time, the little town of Rockmart, Georgia, made all of those balloons, whether it was Snoopy, whether it was Underdog, all of them were made in Georgia. And uh, about a month before the parade happened in New York City, uh, little downtown uh, Rock Mart would do their own parade and test fly all those balloons. So that's just kind of throwing back to the Americana that you and I uh, knew once upon a time. Why they pander to less than 1% of 1% of the population is beyond me. I can only suspect that it is to push an agenda. And when people start sensing that an agenda is being pushed down their throats, the blowback is as predictable as the sunrise, and it's happening, Um, hence this petition. I'll give you another small example of how this is just absolutely absurd Today, I turned on the news as I am wont to do in the morning. And when I turn on my news, because I have cut the cable, I stream everything. Yet even through streaming, I have to pay Xfinity, i.e. Comcast, for my internet service. They're my ISP, you see. And on the streaming platform, it says there's one little box that you can click. And it says it's Transgender Awareness Month. Now, there's something I did not know nor is it something I give a damn about. But one thing I can promise you, you will never see on a Comcast 
uh, advertisement is a Second Amendment Awareness Month. You'll never see that. Uh, you'll never see a it's 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 the Constitution Awareness Month. You'll never see that. So it's um, I think people have obviously woken up to it. You can just ask Dylan Mulvaney if people have woken up to it. It's pathetic, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. We'd love to see a uh, a Tenth Amendment Month Awareness yeah. Month, a Fourth yeah. Amendment Awareness Month, First, Second, Fifth. I mean, Hunter Biden might like to see a Fifth Amendment Month at this point. But uh, <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, it's it's really amazing, you know. And uh, you mentioned some of my favorite. You know, you really brought the memories back there, Steve. Thanksgiving memories coming back. You've named a couple of my favorite balloons there. Uh, also, Mighty yeah. Mouse. I was always. Oh that. yeah, that was a good one. Here he well, comes you know, to uh, save the day. Yeah, exactly. Uh, where is he when we need him? You know, uh, one television station, though, that has kind of bucked against the uh, the trend we're seeing here, just briefly before we bring Ruckus on, um, I've got this headline for you. Democrats reeling as Spanish-language news leader changes its tune on Trump. So the stars in their courses just might be aligning for Donald a Donald Trump victory in 2024, just as they did in 2016. And the most recent evidence of that is Univision, Univision, if you're gringo like me, appearing to change its tune toward the former president. The top-rated Spanish-speaking television network is under new management and has taken a much more favorable view of Trump than it did in 2020. So very interesting there. I don't know how much uh, sway Univision has in the United States, but uh, Democrats are clearly not happy to see this. Well, it, it, but it also does go to show you, doesn't I mean, if you're going to if you're going to, to to break down, what does this mean? Well, what it means is Univision's viewership was letting them know in no uncertain terms, knock it off with bashing Trump. Uh, what what the Democrats have done to us is destroyed our wages, uh, destroyed our how far our dollar can stretch, and they're they're de- de- destroying our communities. Um, and Univision is responding. So you know, there's one sign that capitalism is working. I suppose. I mean, you know, if you're looking for the silver lining. Yeah, that's right. So if you're MAGA, uh, maybe tune into Univision and you can get some telenovela and some MAGA energy there. And buy <laughs> Goya. Yeah, and exactly. Buy Goya, buy, right? Yeah, buy Goya. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, are you list- Are you enjoying listening to TNT radio? Do you think we're doing a good job? Please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love a like or a positive review or even a comment on Facebook, Gab or Gitter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Headlines as they come in. They have the breaking news. Today's News Talk Radio TNT. All right. Uh, as a Texan broadcaster, this is a big one for me and for our news producer here. On Tuesday, Texas legislators passed a bill that permits state enforcement of immigration laws. That's right, including the arrest and detainment of illegals who unlawfully cross the U.S.-Mexico border now awaiting Governor Greg Abbott's approval. Will he approve it? I'm very curious. The bill aims to address the Biden administration's disastrous open southern border policies. And much like that last headline, needless to say, Democrats are not happy. Here with the story, joining us once again is TNT Radio News producer Adam Clark. Ruckus, uh, this sounds like potentially good news for Texas and Texans who's uh, especially in the border uh, counties, uh, just having huge numbers coming through. What's the deal? 
Well, um, apparently, uh, I guess the debate is whether or not they can do that because they're being screamed at from various organizations and, of course, Democrats. Hey, you can't do that. That's racist and all that fun stuff. Uh, but regardless, they're going to try. Uh, the Texas House of Representatives on November 14th, that's just yesterday, voted in favor of approving two of the strictest immigration laws in the country, both of which are aimed at bolstering security at the southern border. Senate Bill 3 was introduced by Republican State Senator Joan Huffman and sponsored in the House by Republican State Rep. J.C. Jetton would allocate $1.5 billion to continue building a wall at the southern border while also increasing law enforcement overtime and pay, including extra staffing to preserve public safety and security in the Colony Ridge housing development in Liberty County, Texas, which some officials say has become a hotbed for illegal immigrants and rising crime. Under the measure, the $1.54 billion would be appropriated from the General Revenue Fund to the trust deed programs within the office of the governor for use during a two-year period beginning as soon as the bill goes into effect for the purpose of, quote, providing funding for border security operations and the construction, operation, and maintenance of border barrier infrastructure, end quote. I don't believe it. A total of $40 million would be set aside for more law enforcement presence in Colony Ridge, the measure states. The second one, Senate Bill 4, introduced by Republican State Senator Charles Perry and sponsored in the House by Republican State Rep. David Spiller, would make it a state misdemeanor to illegally cross or attempt to cross into Texas from Mexico at any location other than a lawful port of entry. Boy, this is common sense, huh? Under the bill, state and local law for enforcement officials would be allowed to arrest suspected illegal immigrants and take their fingerprints and conduct a background check. Judges would be granted the option to order some illegal immigrants to return to the country from which they illegally entered the United States in lieu of prosecution, but only after all identifying information is obtained and cross-referenced with local, state, and federal criminal databases. However, the misdemeanor charge would be raised to a felony if the illegal immigrant has previously been convicted of two or more misdemeanors involving drugs, crimes against a person or both, or if the individual refuses to comply with the judge's order to return to their home country. The maximum penalty for a misdemeanor charge is one year in prison, while for a felony, the penalty is two to 20 years in prison. And there is uh, some debate going on whether or not states are allowed to do that. Uh, a lot of folks saying, hey, that's the uh, the federal government's job. Well, hey, if it's the federal government's job, they're not doing a very good job of it. Uh, some might argue, including myself, um, and uh, on lots of accusations, uh, the, the you know, calling everybody racist because they're doing this. Uh, the ACLU is one of them. Uh, they claimed in a social media post that Senate Bill 4, the one where you can arrest the people and send them home, is, quote, one of the country's most radical anti-immigrant laws ever, deeming it, quote, white supremacy in action that will encourage racial profiling and separate Texas 
separate Texas families, end quote. Uh, the organization also threatened to sue Texas Governor Greg Abbott if he signed the measure into law. So do you think he's not going to sign it so he can avoid being sued by the ACLU? Uh, this is pretty interesting stuff. What do you guys think? I actually think he might not sign it uh, just because of the way that he has uh, behaved thus far in this migrant crisis. I um, also will not be surprised if he signs it um, he, because he is really good at making uh, political PR maneuvers. He's really good at taking large sums of money and putting it towards this issue. Um, but so far we have not seen a lot of effect from the hundreds of millions of dollars that have gone into Operation Lone Star here in Texas. So. Um, I could see that going either way with regards um, to our Texas governor here. Um, I'm, I'm a little, I, I don't really understand how it works when uh, it would be applied. That's one of the things that I find a little bit confusing about this because um, after going down there and seeing the, the processing, right, the order of operations, it's like um, someone comes across, oftentimes they're helped across, allowed across, uh, CBP is there, and um, Army National Guard is there. And uh, if Army National Guard is the person that, that you know sees them come over, they take them to CBP. CBP then processes them, puts them on buses, then various you know NGOs get involved, Catholic Church organizations get involved. Um, <clears throat> so I'm not really sure where Texas law enforcement inserts themselves into this. Will will Texas Rangers be uh, behind the CBP looking to do a different uh, rule of engagement than CBP will? I mean, this this begs a lot of questions, Steve. I'm really um, I think it's a good move, but I'm not really sure how the rubber meets the road when it comes to policy. I think it's I think it's a difficult. Um, you know, you got you got Abbott. He's kind of straddling the fence here. On one side, he wants he. he presumably wants to do the right thing on the other side of it every time he makes a move in that direction he's threatened with lawsuits as ruckus is talking about here they're saying oh he's racist well in the story that you just touched on brian beforehand we find that univision is now starting to kind of toe the line of donald trump well donald trump would be decidedly in abbott's uh court on this as far as hey we have a border we need to protect it as a Texan resident, it doesn't sound like you're altogether thrilled with the job he's done. Yep. But I think it's I think it's a little bit difficult when you're hamstrung by an administration. And let's be honest, an entire political party and the apparatus that runs it. That's waging war against you. Um, I hope the hell he signs it. Uh, and I would wager that it's going to be a political um, landmine either way. If he signs it he's in hot water. If he doesn't sign it, he's in hot water. So yeah. I, you know, it, it's, it's going to be uh, interesting to watch play out, but I must say that I think most common sense Americans in every poll points this out. Doesn't matter. Black, white, Hispanic, Caucasian. It does not matter. Most people want that border secure. Uh, yeah. And the Univision story touches on that very, that very point, I think. Perhaps Univision is the racist one. Uh, we'll save that for another time, though. Uh, one thing that I do like about this bill, my favorite part about it, perhaps, Ruckus, before we let you go, I'll take your comments, um, is the fact that it would allow um, the arrest of suspected illegal immigrants and take their fingerprints and conduct a background check. 
as far as I can tell, that is not being done. And if it is, there's no reporting on it. All of our experts seem to have no information on this. So that in and of itself, combined with the part where um, if somebody had several misdemeanors, they could be charged with a felony, that could actually have some teeth and actually help us keep um, undesirable, dangerous people out of our country, Ruckus. Yeah, they don't do any of that. They just get them to sign up for some sort of app, I guess. Um, I, I should point out there was one interesting part that I, I didn't report yet. Uh, the exceptions. There are a few exceptions provided for the SB4. So about the arrest and all that. Um, so the law enforcement may not arrest immigrants who enter the United States illegally if the individual is on the premises. I hope you're sitting down for this one. If they're on the premises or grounds of a public or private primary or secondary school for educational purposes, okay, in a church, a synagogue, or other established place of religious worship, or in a healthcare facility. So if you want to avoid arrest, uh, all you got to do is just pop into a church, uh, onto a schoolyard, or a healthcare facility, and you're safe, I guess. Okay. <laughs> I'm on, oh, I'm on base. It's like freeze yeah. tag. Right. It is like freeze tag. <laughs> yeah. This this might be why the Catholic Church is involved in part of the processing here. It's like you've got multiple agencies that appear to be sort of untouchable, perhaps, even under this new law, if it should come in. All right. Thanks, Ruckus. That's uh we're gonna have to keep an eye on this one. I mean, we'll be seeing the differences on the streets here in Texas real soon, I'm sure, right? Wink wink. All right, this is today's news talk TNT radio. You should hear what Charlie Robinson is talking about. I think once we saw the supply chain issues uh, that happened during the COVID debacle, you go, Well, that seems bad for the you know, when you're fighting somebody for toilet paper, but it could be worse, right? It could be the last can of food. So people are starting to reevaluate and reassess their situations and their relationships relationship with supply chains and the like. And I think what that does is it leads you to a place of saying, how can I make myself less dependent on the system? It's kind of hard to know where to start, right? Where would you suggest we even begin with this process? Yeah, it's funny you said that because someone said to me recently and it made me laugh that this is going to be the kind of collapse where the Burger King's still open. And I think that's what's probably lulling people into a false sense of security in that everything when we go to the city kind of appears normal unless you're in one of those really crazy drug adult cities but for most people i would say charlie it feels normal but it ain't normal <laughs> the world yeah. is not normal it's completely gone off kilter charlie robinson on today's news talk radio tnt a better business tip from tnt radio the benefits of advertising on today's news talk tnt radio should be clear to businesses of any shape or size it can be accessed anywhere anytime by anybody and is the perfect way to build brand awareness and stimulate digital activity. If you'd like more information about advertising on TNT Radio, simply fill out your details on our contact page and we'll be in touch. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. On air 24-7, this is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Okay, welcome back to uh, to uh, State of the Nation with Steve Hook. Uh, that's me and, and Brian hesher McLean. That's him. Uh, we have had a wonderful show today, and it continues now in hour two. We're so happy to welcome to the program Sheriff Mark Lamb from Pinal County, uh, Arizona. Uh, well, Sheriff, hello there, sir. Welcome back to you. It's so good to see you. We know that you're running for Congress, and I would wager that one of the issues that you're going to be taking on in your campaign 
is the southern border and the possibility of terrorists and all kinds of very bad people crossing our border totally uninhibited. Uh, how are you today, sir? Uh, welcome to the show. I'm doing great. Thanks for having me on. And uh, you're not wrong. That is definitely one of the issues. It doesn't matter where I go in the country, um, especially here in Arizona. Border tends to be the top issue or at least one of the, the top issues. Well, we just did a sh- we just did a news segment here a minute ago, right before you came on about how Texas Governor Greg Abbott is uh, considering signing a bill into law, which would essentially arrest people crossing the border illegally. As you could well imagine, he's getting a lot of pushback from all the usual suspects, ACLU and what have you. Uh, and of course, liberal groups from across the uh, fruited plain are are saying this is a perfect example of white, uh, a, a white, white, white extremism and racism, and you know, ad hominem of your of your choice there. But this is a real problem, and it's not just a problem for white Americans; it's a problem for all Americans. Are you hearing that from all Americans or just white Americans, uh, Sheriff? Look, for them to say that is just ridiculous. And that just goes right in line with all the other ridiculous things people in society say all the time. The reality is it's not just I I would say that the people, the white folks are probably just as apt to let people in. Um, The Hispanics oftentimes are just are more infuriated with what's going on. The people who went through the process to get here properly and do it the right way and follow the law and pay all the money and spend the time, they feel slighted that these folks are coming across. And frankly, they're coming from all over the place. It's not just from Mexico or Guatemala. They're coming from Africa and China and Russia and all over the place. And so, no, we're not hearing that on the ground. We're just hearing people are upset that this government's not securing our southern border and uh, they want proven conservative fighters that are going to go back to Washington, D.C. and help fix this problem. Yeah, absolutely, Sheriff. Uh, Sheriff, I'm curious, uh, considering the proposal, you know, this, uh, I think it's uh, Bill 3 and Bill 4, I'm going by memory here, uh, that that our Congress just passed and um, is going to hit Abbott's desk. If he signs that, and gives Texas law enforcement the ability to uh, enforce border laws, you know, and deport people, detain people, this this kind of thing. Um, how do do you have any idea how that would work? Seeing as the CBP is there with their own rules of engagement that are, you know, very very different. I don't want to be a naysayer, but we passed the same law SB ten seventy back in two thousand and ten. It was challenged by the federal government, went to the Ninth Circuit Court of uh, uh, Court of Appeals and was actually gutted to where there, there was really nothing to it after that. And basically what they, that court reaffirmed what is, is that it's the federal government's responsibility and theirs alone to to deal with immigration into this country. Now, I love that Texas is doing this. Don't get me wrong. And I pray that they fight this fight all the way to the end and take it to the Supreme Court. But I will I will put money on it. They're going to run into um, uh, SB 1070 and the Ninth Circuit's uh, ruling back in 2011, which basically rendered that bill useless. Um, But I think that when the government fails to do their job, the state should be able to step up and do it. And so I applaud Texas for doing this. And I hope that maybe Texas and Arizona can jump in and take this all the way to the Supreme Court and get the Supreme Court to rule on it once and for all. Yeah. Yeah. You you know, Sheriff, by the way, I think I said that you were running for for, for Congress. You're running for Senate. We wish you the 
Sheriff, uh, <laughs> I just wanted to say that um, I know that you're running for Senate here, and I certainly hope, God, we could use some men of, of your wisdom in there, in that office, uh, especially if we need them in the House, too. But do you think that it's time that maybe some of these states, whether it's Arizona, uh, where you are, or whether it's Texas, some of these border states, decide to say, you know what, we don't give a rip what the Ninth Circuit Court, in other words, play the game that they play. Every time a, 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 a uh, the, the Supreme Court says you can't do this and the liberals and the progressives don't like it, they ignore the ruling and they say, come after us. Well, maybe it's time that we did that. Maybe it's time that we said, you know what, Ninth Circuit, go pound sand. We're arresting these people. Come down here and free them. Good luck with that. You know what? I, I agree wholeheartedly because that is exactly what they were doing. I was busy shaking my head while you were saying that. I know the video is not coming through good, but I was busy shaking my head in agreement because what they have done is become totally flippant to the Constitution and to the rule of law. And they make the courts tell them, no, you can't do it that way. And guess what? It still doesn't stop them. They still go out and do it. You know, I uh, I felt very frustrated about uh, maybe September, October of last year. And I actually went and started thinking, there's got to be a law that they're breaking. So I went into the office the next day, started looking at it, and I found ARS 13-2323, participating in or assisting a human smuggling organization, an Arizona revised statute. I took it to, and, and part of it was number four said, intentionally blah, 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 or omission by a public servant in his official public servant duties. So I took it to the county attorney. We both felt like that was a good a case to run. We put the case together. We showed all the increases in human smuggling, human trafficking, sex trafficking we had been dealing with, just the impact it had been having on my county. Came back to the county attorney. And after a two-hour meeting, ultimately, because of the supremacy clause of the Constitution and some case law out of Florida and the fact that we believe in the rule of law and we don't just want to trounce on it just because we feel like we can, um, we didn't bring that charge forward. And that is one of the days where I came home to my wife and I said, you know what? I may have to run for Senate because this fight can only be fought to a certain extent on the local level. It needs to be had at the federal level. We need people that understand it, which is why I ultimately got into the race. And uh, But we've tried to do what we can. And, and, um, and I've tried to even go on a state level. But I think we've got to start looking for those recourses and saying, look, you guys tell us we're wrong. Until then, we're going to keep pushing forward. All right. Here, here. Absolutely. Yeah, we need that kind of attitude on Capitol Hill for sure. For sure. Uh, Sheriff Mark Lamb, stay tuned with us. Hold the line. We have a headline inbound we're going to take, and we'll pick up right where we left off on State of the Nation at today's News Talk TNT Radio. I got news. News. I got news for you. News. News. I got news. I got news. TNT Radio News. For TNT Radio News, this is James O'Neill. President Biden is meeting with Chinese President Xi Jinping in San Francisco today as the U.S. and China, two of the world's biggest economic powerhouses, struggle to defuse tensions. A passenger bus lit off a Himalayan highway, killing at least 37 people and injuring 18 others after rolling down a steep slope onto another road in Indian-controlled Kashmir on Wednesday. Almost two in three Canadians have a negative impression of Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, and half want him to resign before the next election, a new survey suggests. 
Why not give TNT Radio a follow? We're on all major social platforms, including Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Gab, and Getter. Help us get the word out as we cover the biggest topics of our time right here on today's News Talk. TNT Radio. TNT Radio. Sheriff Mark Lamb is our guest. And uh, Mark, uh, let me ask you this. Um, We just saw eight Republicans vote against Representative Green's uh, Mayorkas impeachment push. Uh, they're saying it's not a high crime or a misdemeanor. Uh, (laughs) what do you think? What's your take on that? How does it, I mean, for us, it's a little bit of a tough swallow. We we were just speaking with, um, with one of our guests about this, David Grasso. And, you know, he's, he rightly pointed out to us that, you know, impeaching Mayorkas might is probably not going to be the ultimate fix for this problem. We have a much more systemic problem um, but what do you think about that? Because he certainly seems to be derelict in his duties by many people's estimation. Well, I think of all the people that are are um, that you could impeach and for things they've done, he's probably at the top of the list. This guy has completely failed to do his job. And, uh, you, you know, he's probably just doing what Biden and this administration is asking him to do. But that doesn't make it right either. You know, his job is to do what's right for the American people. That's who he ultimately works for. And, and the fact that he's failed to do that and he's he's harmed, you know, there's 100,000 plus American uh, civilians dying every year from fentanyl poisonings. Does that not mean anything to these Republicans? And look, this is part of the problem. Republicans and Democrats are like, you know, now that I'm running for Senate, you get a real look in behind the how the sausage is made and you realize the people that are in office are there because wealthy elite people for the most part of put them there. And then we, the the people are suffering because these folks are just towing whatever line people are asking them to tow. So I'm disappointed. I think they should have stood together. The Democrats would have stood together. The Republicans should have stood together, gone after this impeachment and let the impeachment hearing speak for itself. But I think they would have had more than enough to impeach him as they should have. Yeah, it it does seem that and, you know, I've noticed this, uh, Sheriff Lamb, and I don't know if you've noticed it, Hesher, I don't know if you've noticed it either, but with each and every one of these hearings where my orcas gets in front of, whether it's the Senate or the House or whoever it is, he seems to get a little bit cockier. He seems to get a little bit more sure of himself when he tells them, I've answered your question, that's all you're going to get from me. He seems to know that he's got the backing uh, of of the people behind him uh, in both parties. And in other words, it, he's thumbing his nose at people and that may work in a Senate subcommittee or a house committee, but the American people see that and are just livid with it. It's just so yeah. in your face. Screw you. You know, he is flippant because there's been no consequences for them violating constitutional rights, failing to, to comply with article four, section four of the constitution. There is no consequences for these guys, which is why he continues to be more and more flippant towards them. And part of this is because we started calling this country a democracy, and it is not. It is a constitutional republic. And when we start to to call it a democracy, we get away from the, the, the people that we sent there, those congressmen, those senators. Ultimately, they are the voice of the people. And basically, when they are flippant to them, they're basically being uh, thumbing their nose at the American people and refusing to answer questions to the actual American people. And that started when we started calling this thing a democracy. Um, but we're a constitutional republic with pieces of democracy in it. 
Boy, yeah, I would here, sure here. love to have some senators and Congress people, Steve, that would say that. I mean, you just don't hear that very often. I mean, uh, I don't even know if I'm hearing that from my senators, you know, Republicans. I'm I'm pretty sure I'm not hearing that. I always hear this defending democracy thing. But as we see, um, because of the indoctrination, the youth in this country don't even, they're not even interested in defending democracy. Like if we had some sort of, you know, 1990s, like Kumbaya, we're going to be a democracy moment. That's not even what they want. They're, they're clamoring for authoritarianism and, and, and socialism, it seems. Yeah, and most of them would be the first ones gone after socialism and communism took over because one thing socialism and communism can't have is turncoats. And that's what a lot of these folks are. They've turned on what America was built to be, which is a constitutional republic where a constitution protects the God-given rights of every man, woman, and child living in this country. And I agree. I wish more, more of them understood or at least espoused it or fought for what this country was built on. And to me, I take those sacrifices of those men and women who sacrificed their lives and their fortunes for our freedom. I take that very serious. And um, frankly, I think Washington, D.C. needs more of this. And look, I may I can't promise the world, but like, I, and some people say, well, what are you going to do? You're only one senator. Well, I, my rebuttal is how many people stood in front of the tanks in Tiananmen Square? Here, you know, here. one guy of the tanks but he mobilized a he changed a dynasty because he mobilized people that felt and the way he did and thought the way he did and that gave them the courage to stand up and say no we've had enough and i think we're at that point in america where americans are getting to that point where they're fed up to say we've had enough we're done with this we're sending people back that we're going to represent this country sheriff um let me just ask you how is the campaign going right now? How is your, uh, how, how is it um, shaking out on the ground there in uh, in Arizona? What kind of response? What kind of reception are you getting? Oh, we're getting an amazing response everywhere we go. People are very excited. They feel the same way. They feel hope. They feel like we can take this state back. And look, this is a red state. We're just shooting ourselves in the foot every year here in Arizona. There's far more Republicans, but we need all Republicans to come together. We need everybody to show up and vote. And that's what that's not happening here in Arizona. Look, fundraising's tough. So please, anybody listening, come show up. If you like what I'm saying, please donate at SheriffLambForSenate.com or SheriffLamb.com. Um, it takes the money to run these campaigns. But as far as getting the votes of the people, I think every day we're winning more and more votes. And uh, I'm excited because I think I present the best opportunity to beat the Democrats in 2024 and take this seat back uh, for the Republicans, and hopefully take the Senate back on a national level. And let's get to work and start changing some things back to the way they need to be. Here, here. There I like you go. it. Yep. I like Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah. Sheriff. If Lamb I live there, Senate. you'd have my vote. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Well, Same here. I was going to say, yeah. if you're a Democrat, you can vote anyway, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good point. Good point. All right, sir. Thank you so much for being here. And thanks for doing what you're doing and saying what you say and trying to take it into the swamp. You're a brave man. Uh, we're going to do everything we can to make sure you get in there and you get in there with a thick suit of armor because uh, it is a swamp, sir. Sheriff Lamb for Senate.com is the website. Get on over there and support him. 
You don't even need to be an Arizonan to do that. We got yeah, fix you may not be able to vote for him, but you can support him. Yeah, good That's point. Right. Yeah. Well, yeah, multiple point on that. Yeah, go ahead. To your point, I don't mean to interrupt, but to your point, most people think, "Oh, I wish I was in Arizona." As a U.S. senator, my vote impacts every one of the fifty states just as much as it impacts Arizona. So, a U.S. Yes. senator impacts Texas and Oklahoma and and New Hampshire and Florida just as much as it does Arizona. While I have a interest in Arizona, are those hundred senators are affecting every one of us, no matter what state they come from. So it'd be, behoove you to have people in there like myself who will look out for all 50 states, not just Arizona. Well there said, you go. sir. Well said, Sheriff. Thank you. Sheriff Lamb for Senate.com is the website. Get on over there and support. This is State of the Nation on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. De-weaponizing weather with reality and perspective. Well, another big climate meeting is coming up. This one is, what, COP28? And apparently its report is a real doozy. I can only imagine. But here's the crazy question. If it's COP28, is the planet in better shape as far as, oh, growing food economically overall than it was 28 years ago? or whenever the first one was. So what is all the panic about? Here in the United States, the Weather Channel, I don't know why they're calling themselves the Weather Channel anymore, just call yourself the Global Warming Channel, is explaining that things are really getting out of control here in the United States. So naturally, I put on the map of where all the weather stations are around the world, and they're currently 0.16 Fahrenheit above normal. The United States has had no significant heating in the last 25 years, and yet we hear that we are warming up six 60% faster than everyone else. Now, where the heck does that come from, given the bulk of the warming is up in the Arctic? But this is the kind of stuff you're getting. And the problem is that the population is simply being bombarded with it in a consistent fashion, and there's very low resistance. So what's the moral of the story? Well, I've always told you I have deep spiritual roots and a deep belief in God, and every night I thank God for TNT and him letting me be the climate and weather watchdog. This is meteorologist Joe Bastardi, TNT's Climate and Weather Watchdog, asking you to enjoy the weather. It's the only weather you get. Challenging the consensus and debunking the narrative. This is Viewpoint. The Black Lives Matter Network, or BLM Network, founded by the three black female activists who created the hashtag Black Lives Matter hashtag, can be differentiated from the BLM movement, a more amorphous collection of racial justice groups. The BLM Network is a structured organization that has 34 chapters. Gaza described the network as an online platform that existed to provide activists with a shared set of principles and goals. Local Black Lives Matter chapters are asked to commit to the organization's list of guiding principles, but operate without a central structure or hierarchy. Gaza has commented that the network was not interested in policing who is and who is not part of the movement. The Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, one of the main organizations coordinating organizing and mobilization efforts across the Black Lives Matter network, reportedly raised up to $90 million in 2020. Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation, Inc. is a global organization in the US, UK and Canada whose stated mission is to eradicate white supremacy and build local power to intervene on violence on black communities by the state and vigilantes. The Black Lives Matter movement founders have connections to large radical left organizations. 
The connection to the left has made the BLM movement rich and influential. Influence Watch estimates that groups associated with the BLM movement have taken in $133 million since 2013. Organizations associated with liberal billionaire George Soros are said to have provided at least $33 million to various BLM movement groups since 2016. In 2015, the fundraising club Democracy Alliance, led by liberal donors like George Soros and Taco Bell heir Rob McKay, recommended its donors to increase contributions to endorsed groups that have supported the Black Lives Matter movement. Critically analyzing national affairs, this is State of the Nation on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Now, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, but I am seeing a resurgence in masking up with the COVIDian ritual muzzle of shame here in the U.S. I'm still seeing rumors and threats of the next pandemic, people like Gates and Tedros, etc. And we're seeing the World Health Organization and associated member countries getting ready to put ink on this so-called pandemic treaty. Uh, seeing a lot of big money advertisements for experimental mRNA gene therapy shots mislabeled as vaccines in the mass media cartel. Turbo cancers are running rampant, sudden adult death running rampant, all-cause mortality up, blood clots and myocarditis are now being talked about by people at way younger ages than ever before in my lifetime, maybe in human history. Well, and in Australia, sadly, where many of our friends and colleagues are, our board operators sitting there right now listening. In Australia, they're telling citizens to start masking up. Joining us now to discuss the ongoing totalitarian goose step of big pharma, mass media, and governments is board-certified trauma and emergency specialist, Dr. Kelly Victory. Welcome back to State of the Nation. Let's start with Australia. What can you say to our friends in Australia who right now are feeling oh my gosh, are they really going to do this again? Because they got hit really hard with this totalitarian and authoritarian sort of behavior. Well, thanks for having me, as always. You are quite right. This is just total insanity. To be clear, there isn't a scintilla of credible evidence that face masks do anything appreciable to stop the spread of respiratory viruses. I, we've known this for decades, but if you want proof, you just need to go to the Cochrane Report, long been regarded as really the go-to for uh, for reviews of this sort. They looked at 169 different studies on face masks and came to the conclusion that I just stated, face masks do not stop the spread of respiratory viruses. On the other hand, there are many, many studies, dozens of them, that show the profoundly negative impact of masks, not only physically, but psychologically. So the idea that the people in power are forcing these onto the population again has nothing to do with public health, absolutely nothing and everything to do with control. I do not as a physician and no surgeon wears a face mask in the operating theater to prevent the spread of a virus or bacteria or anything else. It is purely for two reasons. Number one, to keep me from inadvertently coughing or spitting into an open surgical field, a sterile field, or to keep me as a surgeon from being sprayed in the face with blood or other bodily fluids. They do not stop the spread of viruses. And this is, as I said, nothing about health, 
and all about control. Isn't that just always the way? Dr. Victory, welcome back to the show. It's always great to see you. Uh, well, I suspect, given the way the, the world is going, they'll say, you know what? Dr. Victory is right. Face masks don't work. So henceforth, everybody should be wearing a hazmat suit before they leave the house <laughs> uh, or, 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 or don't leave the house at all. Um, it, it is about control. It's always been about control. I said that Obamacare wasn't about health care. It was about control. Correct. Correct. Um, and, and here we go again. Uh, Hesher asked you a very pertinent question and a good one. What should they do down there? I mean, I don't know about down under, but I will not leave my house with a mask on. I don't give a damn what the rules are. I just won't do it. I'm just not going to do it I, anymore. I agree with you. I think that we just simply need to push back and say no. No, this is not supported by the data. It is not supported by the science and it has ill effect. You cannot force me to don something that is absolutely nonsensical and who knows what they will demand next. So I would pull out the Cochrane report and start with that as, as evidence. Again, not one study, not half a dozen studies, a couple hundred studies that were reviewed. On top of that, the reality is this. COVID, the virus, has done precisely what we would have expected it to do as it has mutated. It has done two things. It has become, number one, more contagious, more easily spread. And number two, at the same time, it has become less and less virulent, less lethal, meaning it causes less severe disease. The virus we are seeing right now, the current variants, are akin to a common cold. It does not present a significant threat to anyone. And although the powers that be, again, everyone from Fauci and Gates and everybody in between uh, is predicting another pandemic and they're all, uh, you know, just a titter about it. They can't wait for the next excuse to, uh, you know, institute lockdowns or whatever else God knows. The reality is that COVID is not a reason to have any concern whatsoever. It is not putting people in the hospital. Most people don't even need to get medical care. It can be treated very easily right now with over-the-counter medications. Uh, doctor, anyone who's looked even slightly under the surface with this much hindsight behind us now from 2020 should know that. Many do know that. Yeah. I mean, the numbers of booster uptake prove <laughs> that many people know this. Yet, when I log on to my streaming service at night and try to relax, I am now seeing people like the artist Pink, like Martha Stewart, like famous <laughs> sports ball guys who I don't recognize, but I can tell they're bazillionaires and very influential, pushing the mRNA shots. Um, big money commercials. What do you make of that? And what do you have to say to people that are being exposed to this sort of, I mean, I mean, it's, it's sort of a, a, a I don't know. I'm going to, I want to use the T word. I want to use this like medical terrorism or advertising terrorism. Right. Well, first of all, if you want advice on a good pecan pie recipe, go to Martha Stewart. Otherwise leave it alone. She's not an expert in healthcare. <laughs> maybe Scott, uh, maybe need, Scott stock tips. Yeah, and, and, and neither is pink. The reality is this, and you are right, that many, many people who are high-profile individuals in sports or Hollywood or elsewhere are out hawking these things when they have absolutely no idea what they're talking about. You would have to be living under a rock to not understand the significant risks 
from these mRNA injections. They have failed at all three things they were purported to do. Number one, they do not stop you from contracting COVID. Number two, they do not stop you from spreading COVID to others. And number three, they do not decrease the risk of hospitalization or death. The FDA and the vaccine manufacturers themselves acknowledge outright in writing and verbally the first two of those things. The fact that they don't stop you from getting the disease and they don't stop you from spreading it. And they have yet to present a significant study or any evidence that they're keeping people out of the hospital. On the other hand, we have a mounting uh, body of evidence of significant harms. It's not only the myocarditis and pericarditis and sudden deaths in previously young, healthy athletes, but it's the increase in incidence of things like cancers in people where we would never expect to see this type of cancer. People in their 20s and 30s, for example, with advanced colon cancers. People who are having cancers that grow so quickly that from the time the tumor is first diagnosed at the size of a walnut, it's the size of a football three weeks later when they see the oncologist and on and on. So you're talking about there's nothing in medicine that doesn't boil down to a risk benefit calculation. The risks of a particular therapy or intervention weighed against the possible benefits of it. And from my viewpoint, my vantage point, there are absolutely no benefits to be gleaned from these vaccines that don't work and 100% risk. Wow. So we know they don't work. We know they don't stop right. transmission. Mm -hmm. uh, we know they don't prevent uh, the, the, the getting infected yourself, I would wager that when it comes to pink and I think the, the sports ball athlete you're talking about there is Travis Kelsey, also AKA Mr. Taylor Swift. Um, <laughs> I, I would wager that the one thing they do is, uh, they pay, they pay a lot of money, don't they? Mm -hmm. Oh, oh yeah. I, this is, and you know, the United States is one of two countries on the planet New Zealand being the other, that allows pharmaceutical advertising on television. No other countries even allow it. And there's a reason, because unfortunately, uh, our entire media is owned by big pharma. Roger Ailes, the former, the former head of Fox News, said he wanted to get rid of pharmaceutical advertising on Fox News, but they represented more than 80% of Fox News's advertising revenue. So let me tell you, when you have a pharmaceutical company that's giving that much money to the media, what do you think they're going to say? You can't watch a signal, a single news segment on mainstream media. I don't care if it's MSNBC or Fox without afterwards saying, you know, this segment brought to you by Pfizer or by Johnson and Johnson. So there is no truth anymore in the media because they are owned by big pharma. That's it's the case. And so unfortunately are the medical journals, the previously storied medical journals, Lancet, BMJ, JAMA, they all get their funding from, wait for it, big pharma. So who do you think, you know, publishes the studies and who pays for the studies and the outcomes of the studies are already determined before the study is ever done.
Yeah, very, very disappointing. I saw a uh, a Lancet headline got taken down. They actually said something that made sense, and it was uh, let's see. This is actually this is this is not like breaking news or anything. This happened back in like July. But Lancet study on COVID vaccine autopsies find seventy four percent were caused by vaccine, and the study was removed within twenty four hours. Does that is that an effect of what you're talking about right there? Precisely. So you ended up with a study that was peer reviewed, gets published, and then the pharmaceutical company goes, take, get that out of there. You take that down or we're going to remove your funding. We're going to revoke the money we give you. Um, and the problem is this is truly a crisis for physicians, because if you can't go to the journey, if you can't go to the study, if you can't go to the source um, to, to look for the answers and to guide your decision making, where do we go? We have to create fundamentally a parallel uh, system that is disarticulated from big pharma. This is a huge problem, and it's a huge problem not only for patients, but also, as I said, for physicians. It is corrupt, and what the is being uh, relayed to the public, what they are seeing both in print and on television, is not the truth. So I think you need to do nothing more than look around you, believe your own eyes. When's the last time you saw someone go to the hospital with COVID? Right. Yeah. Look at all of your friends who are heavily vaccinated. How often are they sick with an upper respiratory infection versus people who aren't vaccinated? I'll tell you right now, I'm not vaccinated for covid and I have not been sick a day with an upper respiratory infection in three and a half years. My friends who and colleagues who are heavily vaccinated every other minute, they got a cough or a, a runny nose or a cold. So look around wow. you. And uh, and truly, I think not only in Australia, but everywhere, we need to stand up and say, no, this entire debacle could never have happened without the complicity of my own colleagues, people in healthcare. Physicians need to stand up and say, no, this defies the science. We know that masks don't work. Social distancing is a made up construct. Lockdowns do far more damage than good. Children were never at risk from COVID, and we knew it from the beginning. There is absolutely no rationale for having closed down schools or, God forbid, forcing them to wear masks. And we are not taking an experimental vaccine against our own will or better judgment. And these vaccines remain experimental. As of today, there's not a single FDA-approved injection for COVID available in the United States. They're only available under emergency use authorization. God only knows what the emergency is, um, but they are only available under EUA. They are experimental and based on the Nuremberg Code alone, you cannot be coerced or compelled or under fear of reply, reprisal well, forced we gotta, to take that. We got to wrap it up, Dr. Victory, but listen, um, Every time you come on, I find myself shaking my head and getting angry, but I'm always happy to see you. And I want to thank you for joining us today on State of the Nation. Uh, and hopefully we can get you back on here real soon. Thank you so much for joining us today, doctor. Bye.